The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. We have another reality TV star joining us today. I'm so excited. So make sure you subscribe so that anytime we do something with regards to shorts or full lengths, you won't miss out because these conversations will encourage you. Well, that's our hope. And um, we just want you to be along the ride, the journey with us. Tell friends, tell family members, tell complete strangers, but make sure you subscribe. And ring the bell. Ding, 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 ding. And on to the show. The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today. So I was looking back and I've come to the conclusion that this is the second time that we have had a reality TV star on our podcast. Fake news. Third time. Who? My cousin, Todd. Oh, yeah. True. Yeah. And then the race car driver. Matt Jaskel. Yeah. And now today. All right. Never mind. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Fourth time. Because then didn't we have a Bachelorette on? No, that's possible. Yeah. Yes, we did. Okay. So who who else are you having on today? Nobody. (laughs) Tim, anytime anybody says yes, we're always excited. So, I mean, we're surprised a lot, too. Yes. (laughs) Oh, nice. Nice. (laughs) I find that hard to believe. Actually, it's true. (laughs) Uh, Tim Hegg Sr., my friend uh, from Amazing Race Canada, among other things, which I'm sure we're going to get to. How are you? I'm very good. Thanks for having me on today. We like to ask the skill testing question, Tim, because we never know where it's going to go. And that is, who are you and where did you come from? <laughs> That's a very long question or a very long answer. But, um, oh, my, what's the short answer? I, I'm uh, Tim Haig, fa- husband to Cheryl, father of four kids and two grandkids and um, and one dog, Bella. Aww. <laughs> How's that for the short answer? That's good. That's good. I've heard it's um, more exciting or it feels better to be a grandparent than a parent. True or false. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely true. The old saying that if you knew that the grandkids were going to be so much fun, you'd have had them first. Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, I love that. You live in Winnipeg now? I live in Winnipeg. I've always lived in Winnipeg. When I came to Canada, moved to Winnipeg, been here for 30, well, since 1989, however long that is. Okay. And then you were born where? I was born in Texas and grew up in Kansas City. All right. Kansas, yeah, American. There you go. Well, America. I was, I was 24 when I moved here. I'm now 58, so you can do the math there. And I've been more Can- Canadian longer than I have been an American. But, yes, uh, those are my roots. I stand by them. Hey, it's a good place to come from, that's for sure. But why Absolutely. Winnipeg? I mean, I love our friends in Manitoba, but, I mean, if you're thinking of mosquitoes and cold weather – yeah. That's Winnipeg. Uh, well, I'd just like to say only the strong. Only the strong live oh. in Winnipeg. Everybody else moves to BC. <laughs> you need a shirt that says that. Only the strong. Winnipeg. I should I should make a t-shirt like that. That's a good idea, actually. Yeah, I guess yeah, my wife My wife uh, was grew up here in Manitoba, and um, we had been married down in the States and lived there for four years, and we were... We're going to make a change. So we thought we'd come here for a couple of years, literally a couple of years. We thought two or three yeah. years and we'd go back to the States. It's been 34. Wow. So, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So as, as a boy growing up in, in Texas, a, like a kid growing up down in the States, what was like, was your dream to become a speaker and to become an advocate and, you know, to be a, I mean, granted reality TV really wasn't a thing back in the day, but where were your hopes and dreams? Yeah. 
Um, I one time wanted to be a fi- fly fighter uh, planes in the you know F-18s in the Air Force, and never thought about doing anything that I'm doing now. Life took a completely different turn than I would have ever imagined. And uh, were you going to school to head in that direction, or what was um, like the realistic dream, the one that your parents were supporting you in? Oh no, my my parents wanted me to be a, a pastor. I was supposed to grow up be a pastor. My dad was a pastor for many years, and I was supposed to go grow up, go to Bible school, and become a preacher like that. Mm-hmm. Only only problem was I wasn't called to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, after high school, I went to, um, well, in high school, got very involved with Youth for Christ, Kansas City Youth, Youth for Christ, was very involved there, and that's where I actually started speaking mm-hmm. and uh, pre- preaching at little uh, youth groups and Bible clubs and whatnot in various churches and my senior year, senior year in high school, I spent just about every Sunday somewhere preaching. Oh wow! And so that that's what got me started. And um, yeah, then after that, I met we went to Bible school, a little capenry like Bible school, YWAM ish type of Bible school that uh, Kansas City Youth of Christ put on. And mm-hmm. that's where I met my wife, of course. With having a dad as a as a pat, I mean, we talk Holly and I talk about this all the time. Was there yeah. pressure? Being a pastor's uh, kid, you know, living up to expectations. I mean, you had said, you know, uh, thought maybe they wanted me to be a pastor, but just living the life of having a dad as a pastor. Oh, yeah. There, there's always pressure. There, and then, uh, yeah, simple answer is just yes. There's always pressure mm-hmm. uh, yeah. of various kinds. Yeah. It's interesting too. A lot of pastors, kids will say there's, yes, the pressure and there's all those expectations and it, it negatively impacted their faith for you. I mean, clearly you're still in the faith and talking about, you know, what God means to you. How did you navigate the pressure and not interpreting the Christian culture as being your own faith, but like Jesus is your faith? Yeah. Um, I don't really know. That's a good question. I don't know that I've really asked myself that specific question. Um, I guess mom and dad were fairly good at making sure that we understood that our faith was our own. Hmm. Uh, it was in, intended to be our own. Yeah. And I, I had good good um, mentors in my life as, I, as life went along. And, yeah, I mean, there were very distinct moments in life where decisions had to be remade. Um, as to whether or not this was going to be my faith and I was going to ki- continue on in the faith. Um, we, there were a couple of really stark moments. But, um, yeah, in the end, I, it was a decision that I consciously made. Uh, and I decided that, yes, I I do believe this. I do believe the scriptures are true. I do believe that Jesus is the Christ, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow him. So. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you go from uh, Holly asked you a question that you've probably never you know been asked or thought about to probably this question in which you've probably been asked a million times. Why did you decide to go on to Amazing Race Canada? My wife told me to. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> All right, and, oh and it's pretty goodness. much it pretty much boils down to that. There we, you go. Uh, the rest is history. We, we had a. International student living with us, and um, he turned her on to the Amazing Race, and she always said, "If it comes to Canada, we're going to apply and, and go." Mm. Well, it comes to Canada. She goes about doing her due diligence to apply, but she finds out we have to be gone for five weeks with no contact with home. Mm. Well, our youngest at that time were fifteen-year-old twins. Nobody's going to leave fifteen-year-old twins at home alone for five weeks, so she nope. says we can't go. Okay, we can't go, but you can. You and Tim Jr. can go. I'm like. 
What do you mean? This is your this is your deal. This is what you've always wanted to do. You go apply with Tim Jr. and you go. Well, they they love family teams. You're his mother. You're his family. That works. <laughs> no, they're going to love that you're both named Tim. They're going to love that you both look alike. That, that you're going to they're going to love this. They're going to love that. But most of all, they're going to love your Parkinson's. Mm. And I'm like what? And she said, "Well, they've done." Cancer survivors, they've done prosthetics, they've done this, they've done that. They've never done Parkinson's. Hmm. And don't you know she was right? Again. Again. <laughs> so you get, it gets a whole process. My cousin went through it. And so I would always ask, okay, well, what happened next? And it had to be so hush hush. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. But <laughs> like, was there a point where you thought, what am I doing? How did I get here? Oh yeah, absolutely. Sit, sitting the uh, the very first day we got there, we were in Toronto. We're we're all at, at the the Royal York Fairmont Hotel there, and uh, we're sitting around these round tables in this room, and we're looking at all these other teams. And I'm just like, what in the world is going on? Like, <laughs> how did I end up here? And who are these people? And what are we actually doing? And is this show going to suck? And are we going to look absolutely ridiculous on television now? Or what? What have we got? What have we gotten ourselves into? Yeah. Yeah. Oh goodness. Fortunately it didn't suck. It was <laughs> it's been the number one most watched television show in Canadian history, right? Yeah. Well it's fun. Yeah. It's exciting. You always are rooting for anyone and everyone at any given point. It can change. Yeah. Um so I'm I'm guessing that you also had a chance to watch uh, Amazing Race Canada heading into it and Amazing Race. And oh, yeah. um w- was there one thing that you were hoping that would never be a challenge? Uh, no, I wasn't smart enough to think that far ahead. Um, <laughs> we just said, throw it, bring it. We're, we'll do it. Yeah. If you, if you want us to eat it, we'll eat it. If you want us to jump off of it, we'll jump off of it. Whatever. We're, we're yeah. here to do this thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. Um, I want to rewind to then, I guess, the, before going on to Amazing Race Canada, because your wife had said they'll love Parkinson's. When was the realization and the first diagnosis that that was something that you had had? Yeah, I was. I, mean, I first saw a tremor in my left big toe in August of 2010. And then I was ultimately finally diagnosed in February of 2011. And then mm-hmm. that was two years before going on the race. Okay. What was it that the toe tremor made you feel like, oh, this doesn't seem, seem right? Yeah. Well, I'd been a nurse for a long time at that point. And my dad, my adopted father had had Parkinson's Mm -hmm. and I had a half sister who has MS. And so I was very familiar with neurological diseases. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, I knew you don't wake up on any given morning with your big toe sitting there twitching at you. Yeah. I knew something was up and I, I knew right away that it's um, likely one of those two things. Yeah. That's um, how did you navigate going from being completely in control of your body to now your brain was starting to ask it to do things that weren't, weren't not normal, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Uh, not easily. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, it's a, definitely a struggle. It, Parkinson's is a, some people like to call it a marathon. It's, a, it's, um, it's not a marathon. It's much longer than that because mm. you deal with it every second of every day. Mm-hmm. Um, your body just slowly stops listening to you and does whatever it pleases. 
so it, it took a long time to uh, kind of settle into the diagnosis and um, it takes time every day now, if it seems like most days to just deal with what is, what your, your reality is. Mm-hmm. So, so. L- looking at it uh, through, through your eyes, is there some, would you consider something called a, a good day and a bad day? What would a good day look like in comparison to a bad day? Well, today's a, today's a pretty good day. Um, I was a bit tired. I haven't been sleeping terribly well the last few nights, but that's not here nor there. That seems to be pretty much par for the course. But today, I've, uh, I feel well enough to I drive myself around. Hmm. Some days you don't. Um, I feel good. I'm on your show, so that makes <laughs> it a good day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have something very positive to do and um, you know to reach out. So yeah, today I feel actually quite good. I'm not too terribly squirmy for you. I can sit mostly still, but all this movement you see is just my medication uh, that affects it. So yeah, today today's a, today's a good day. Hmm. Um, being a dad and then having Parkinson's was it? Uh, I guess actually, when were you diagnosed with it? In 2011. 2011, right? Right. Okay. Right. I was having a hard time with the math because that's why I'm in radio. <laughs> i don't have to do math oh my goodness how was it you know navigating family life and really now having to look you thought this was a trajectory that your life was going and now Mm -hmm. oh we're going this way yeah it it was uh again it has its challenges but you know the kids were we have four kids, but they're four years apart except for the twins um Mm. and so that would be weird oldest yeah, that would be weird. <laughs> Poor wife. <laughs> yeah. Four, four years gestation on the second one. Yeah. But, um, anyway, uh, Tim Jr. was, I guess, uh, tw- 16 when I was diagnosed, somewhere in there, 16, 17. So he was, he probably had the hardest time of it because he was old enough to go get on the internet and start hunting for things. And we didn't catch that soon enough. And I think. He got a, he uh, kind of freaked out a little, freaked himself out a little bit, and because I mean, there's all kinds of junk on the net, and, it, and just because somebody else has certain parts of Parkinson's doesn't mean I'm going to have it. Yeah. So he didn't understand that. So that was a bit of a challenge for him to walk through. Then the next two, you know, Jordana would have been uh, 14, 13, or 14, and then the twins would have been like eight, uh, eight, nine. So at 14, she was, you know self-absorbed enough to not really bother and and basically the 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 younger three were like dad's still here he looks fine everything carries Mm -hmm. on as as normal yeah everything's fine yeah so yeah and then Um, we've just we've been very open and honest with them as as life has gone on and we we walk through every day and every new challenge i'm looking at uh dbs surgery deep brain stimulation surgery um possibly in the new year. And so we walk through that and get their opinions on it and ask them to, to speak into that and to, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, pray, pray for us. And um, as a family, we pray together and we seek God out to to help dad get through this thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you answered part of my question um, because we've, we've had a chance to talk with cancer patients who've beat cancer. We've had a chance to talk with uh, people who have, um, you know, it's it's stage four. They told that there's no cure for somebody who's dealing with Parkinson's, knowing the trajectory of what Parkinson's is. 
at what point did you want to become an advocate for it? At what point did you want to uh, start uh, Parkinson's U-turn, knowing that, you know, mm-hmm. there's a way for you to get more information out there to help out maybe others who are going through it? Yeah, I don't think I really had a choice and I, I wouldn't have changed it at all. But being on the race, um, on the Amazing Race, just threw me out there. As soon mm-hmm. as I said yes to that, there was no turning back because as mm-hmm. soon as that hit, hit the airwaves, you're, you're on. And so you, I guess I could have turned around and gone home, but that would have been a little awkward. <laughs> Amazing race to your house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. But I went, lots of people keep this to themselves. They try to hide their Parkinson's for a long time. I yeah. clearly outed myself in a big way right off the bat. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it, and I've enjoyed it. I enjoy every second of my advocacy work. It has uh, literally taken me around the world. And um, we're doing stuff for folks that uh, wouldn't be, I don't think would have been done otherwise, or at least mm. not, not yet. Yeah. Um, uh, with your advocacy, you've been able to team up with uh, other organizations as well. Do you care to, to share about that? I mean, my, aside from Parkinson's, my, uh, my next big uh, heartbeat is for Compassion, Compassion Canada, and uh, working with kids who live in poverty. Mm-hmm. And people often ask me, why, why compassion? Why kids? Uh, what, what's the connection there? Yeah. Well, the connection is, is that I was adopted. Mm-hmm. My parents had three kids of their own and then went on to adopt six more. All, all of us biracial, um, mixed backgrounds of various, mo- mostly black, white, one Latino stirred in there for a little extra spice. And um, we were all adopted um, when nobody wanted us, you know? Mm-hmm. Our, our moms, for various reasons, couldn't keep us. And uh, we were literally taken from church to church, put on display and offered to anybody who wanted us. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I look back on the, those times in, uh, in 1964, you know, uh, that's when the year I was born. You look back at that year and you think about what was happening then. The uh, war in Vietnam was still on. It was the year that Muhammad Ali became boxing's heavyweight champion of the world, right? Um, Martin Luther King Jr. was heavily on the scene. He won the Nobel Peace Prize that year. Mm. And America was in real turmoil, right? There was some really nasty things happening. At the same time, some good things were happening. But it was a tough time to be a half-breed in America because it was a very black and white world there. Mm. And so there was nobody lining up to, to adopt biracial babies, as we were referred to. So when you when parents like mine come out, come along and not only adopt me but six more, you stop and go, what the world is going on? Yeah. And so today, you know, you look back and I I simply see my work with compassion as being the least I can do for the least of these, because uh, somebody took me in. You know, you asked me earlier who I am and where I come from, and I've always kind of said I came from nowhere and I was nobody. But somebody took me in and set me at their table. And uh, getting folks to sponsor kids now is just a small way to give back for, for, the gra- for the grace that God has poured into my life and all the mercies and goodness he had brought me because of my folks. Hmm. We actually recently interviewed someone who was talking about uh, her adoption journey and how it was just very mixed emotions and, and feeling like without mm-hmm. an, a true origin story, it was hard to identify um, who she was. And it's been a journey. Did you struggle yeah. with that as well? 
No, not particularly. Um, my parents were very, very good. Um, I always knew I was adopted and I always knew I, I was loved. I knew I wasn't theirs, but tell that to my mom and you better, you better not be within <laughs> arm's reach. <laughs> Oh, She's goodness. passionate about her kids. She's very passionate about her kids. So there was no, there was no hole in me needing to be filled up in that regard. Yeah. I had a mom and a dad who loved me and took very good care of us. So that, that was okay. But I, I, I do still get that though. I, I understand what that person would be talking about because I know my birth mom uh, and she's English and um, German, but I don't know my birth father and he was black. And so I know nothing of the black community because I grew up in white community. Mm-hmm. And so the, the older I've gotten, the more I've missed that and realized that there was a whole flavor of life there that I've missed out on. That would have been nice to know, but you can't have everything. And I've had almost everything. So, yeah, I appreciate yeah. that so much. It's always nice to hear those kind of stories because I'm also mixed and my dad was black. My mom was white. I was raised by, um, the the white side of my family, so very culturally white, and there's always mm-hmm. that that feeling like, oh, I I belong, like I feel like I belong, but I know I don't look like I belong, and it's always that very interesting um, perspective because you know yeah. there's more to your story culturally, mm-hmm. yeah, but you have to sometimes work to, to figure out what it is, and sometimes it's really just hard to connect because that's not what I personally grew up with. Yeah, and and that community knows that you didn't grow up with it. Yeah, and and there's a whole piece there that has to be dealt with because you may look like you belong, but you don't act like it. <laughs> no, you don't sound like it. You don't walk like it. You don't talk like it. No, it's yeah. not quite right. Yeah, no, I I feel that maybe one day more of the mixed stories will come out, but it's still very much a black and white world, isn't it? Very much. Very yeah. much. Yeah. And folks do not know what to do with me. And you, you can see it, right? Even even now, uh, you meet somebody and they, you can see they stereotype you right away. They yeah. Put you in the mm-hmm. And then you start talking and you start interacting. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you really? <laughs> I have so many times been asked, what are you? Right? Yes. I'm sure you have. Yes. What are you? Human. Yeah. Human. Yeah, it's a good place to start. Yeah. I generally just say, it took a great many nations to make me. What about you? It's <laughs> <laughs> a good answer. Yeah. That's yeah. a good answer. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that Holly's been asked it a number of times. Because mm-hmm. she's not that oh, quirky yeah. to start. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. Um, I want to, I want to dive a little more back into compassion for a second though, because yeah. one thing that I, yeah. that I do love, uh, Holly and I have both had an opportunity to go on compassion trips. Um, I I've got oh, to meet excellent. my, uh, my sponsor child, um, back in the day and uh, as did Holly. Um, I, I love the fact though, that we are given an opportunity to also tell and not, not necessarily an adoption, but still we can give messages to kids who are around the world saying things and let them know that they are loved and that, uh, that Christ loves them. And it truly is important to have something like that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, there, there's nothing like our, our having met our sponsored children. Mm-hmm. They, uh, those are just incredible moments. But to know that you're not just, you're not just doling out money, right? Yeah. In this case, 
when compassion says that they are child-focused, they are child-focused. And that is very important to me, that when my parents adopted me, they didn't adopt a whole community. Five more almost makes a whole community, but, you know, um, they adopted me and they cared for me. And compassion yeah. looks after individual kids. And that's yeah. so important because we've seen the difference that our gifts make to them on their birthdays and Christmas and those things. And, and those kids are excited that they get that money, that it comes to them. And, the, and we make a real impact in their personal lives. And uh, then the fact that um, compassion is Christ-centered, that yeah. every kid that comes through has the opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus. How else do we change our world except through Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it, that, that excites me about what my work with compassion, that we do have the opportunity to make that kind of everlasting change in a kid's life. Yeah. And, th- and then the fact that we work through the local church is so important. I mean, I, I often joke when I'm in churches because it seems like so many of the churches I'm in are mostly white. And I say, you know, you don't you don't go down to visit your sponsor kid and find a bunch of people that look like us. Well, mm. actually, they look like me, but not like you. Uh, <laughs> Johnny's but, like, but can I is, laugh? <laughs> yes, you can laugh. Listen, I've come from a mixed family of white and whiter, so I, I got nothing. Yeah, but but the fact that the kids are, you know, the kids that come to Compassion, they see their folks, they see their pastor, they see their youth pastor, they see people who look and sound like them, and the Mm -hmm. gospel is presented to them in their world and their their words, their culture, and it's not me coming in and doing something and then leaving, right? So that all those three things are incredibly important to me, and uh, I think it makes all the difference in the work that Compassion does. Uh, This is the Why Me Project, and so let's take a moment to dive into a Why Me moment that you've experienced in your life. Well, the the only Why Me that I can come up with is, why was I ever adopted? It's an amazing moment of grace when you look back and really, really understand where things were at in 1964. You know, I was in Texas. My birth mom went down there to have, have me, put me up for adoption. They weren't even going to try to adopt me out because they didn't think anybody would take me. Hmm. And she threw an absolute fit. And I don't know what difference this made, but she said she threw a fit and told them they better try or she's going to come back and take me. So I don't know what, what, what difference that made, but they, they attempted to, to adopt me out. And um, I mean, I think you think about how close I came to being raised in an orphanage somewhere in somewhere, Texas. You know, mm. little half-breed kid that nobody wants. What would my life have looked like? Mm. Well, it would have looked like words we shouldn't use here. <laughs> you know, it would not have been pretty. And yeah. to think that God chose me, chose to take me out of that, um, has has colored and influenced everything that I do. And it says, I'm I'm here for some reason, and that it has to be involved giving back, doing doing something positive for the least of these. Um, Hmm. So that's my why me. Yeah. That's a big one. That's one that really does shape your entire life. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. It's um, always beautiful to reflect on the, the moments that make us who we are. And it seems like you've had a lot of, 
key moments that have kept you moving right and left and up yeah. and down. It's been an amazing race. Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And, then, uh, and it has been. It, it seems like a race. It's just crazy how things continue to to roll out, you know, and yeah. things continue to happen. So, yeah. We'll see what he has in store for us next, right? Is there anything that you are at least planning? I know make a plan. What You want to make God laugh, make a plan. But, you know, is there anything that's coming up next for you in this next chapter of life? Um, I, I'm t- I keep toying with the thought of a new book, another book. Mm. Um, I wrote The One Perseverance back in 2018, and that has done really well. But uh, I'm toying with some other ideas, so we'll see if what happens with those. I mean, I'm, I'm I do have Parkinson's and apathy is huge on the list of Parkinson's. So we'll see if I ever get anything accomplished, but there's lots of work yet to be done with compassion. Of course, there's lots of work to be done with Parkinson's. Um, We started in 2016, a charity for people living with Parkinson's disease where we, um, we hold right now we're running about 10, 11 classes every week. We see just shy of a hundred people through, through our site every month. Mm. And uh, we, we help them with their speech, with um, just emotional wellness, lots of physical uh, stuff. Uh, physical exercise is huge with Parkinson's. It literally will slow our symptoms down. Mm. It will literally make us feel better. Because it, if you recall, par- Parkinson's is a lack of dopamine in our head. We, we, we make dopamine in our brain. We need dopamine for t- to be happy. We need dopamine to move properly. So that's why you get the movement disorder, right? Not enough dopamine. Have you ever heard of the runner's high? Yes. Always yeah. had it once. <laughs> well, why do you have the runner's high, Holly? What were you doing that got you that runner's high? You were probably running hard, working out yes. intensely, right? Yes. And be, and you get that high because you get a burst of dopamine. Mm-hmm. Mm. Your body produces more dopamine and it gives you a blast of dopamine. And so that's what I say all the time. The magic is in the intensity. We are working out, looking for that increased dopamine production and uptake and use. Yeah. And so without getting too deep into this stuff, that's my my passion, not everybody else's. (laughs) But that's why we do what we do at U-Turn Parkinson's to to chase that that runner's high, to chase that, that dopamine that our body so desperately needs. Yeah. And then to just help people live their best, help them live well with the disease, despite Mm -hmm. the the struggles that it brings. Yeah. So there's lots to do there. Well, I'll be very busy with U-Turn for a very long time to come, I think. Um, Well, what I love is that uh, uh, your your dad thought of you maybe being a pastor. Now you have an opportunity to show up at churches and to be uh, speaking and preaching. You're not a pastor, but you have the opportunities which is amazing. Uh, Compassion.ca, U-TurnParkinson's.org, and TimSR.ca. Tim, brother, this has uh, been so good. So glad that you've uh, taken some time and hung out with us. Well, thank you. I so appreciate you asking. I'm so glad I had the opportunity to say yes. And uh, thank you for doing what you do. It's uh, it's a great forum, and I, I appreciate being able to tell a little bit of my story here. I really, really enjoyed our conversation with Tim. Yeah, me too. I appreciate his heart and his passion for helping other people. And I just 
really love his like disposition, who he is. That was yeah. great. That was fun. Yeah. And, and I mean, there's a lot of these diseases and that that we might not know a lot about, but there's a mm-hmm. huge community that is wanting to get the information out there in ways that you can be a part of and learn. And I think that, uh, you know, he is doing just a, a small bit of that. And I mean, he's going through it. So what a, what a great person to be able to explain, you know, the intricacies of Parkinson's. Yeah. Sometimes I feel that when it's someone who maybe doesn't have firsthand experience, it's almost like they're explaining to you, you know, yeah. like the mansplaining and you're like, oh, I don't want to hear it from you. You don't understand yeah. the the emotional elements to it. But it's just encouraging, especially in this day and age, that there are people like Tim who are just being so diligent and passionate about helping those that are on the similar journey as they are. And there's so many ways and resources that we can tap into in no matter what situation we find ourselves in. Yeah, that's good. So hopefully you'll be able to utilize some of uh, the information that he gave. Yeah. Uh, and again, we say all the time, share it with uh, friends and family members. We want to get the word out to continue to grow this thing. But it's also uh, an opportunity for you to be able to share information with people. That's why we have these people on who are able to give us more information because Holly and I aren't that smart. Exactly. So we're just we're learning as we go along, along with yeah. you. That's good. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We are on a lot of the socials too, aren't we, Holly? Yeah, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. uh, Also, YouTube. YouTube. You can check out videos and see all our quirkiness. Yeah. Uh, 20-some-odd years in radio, I've developed a lot of weird habits. (laughs) Like what? (laughs) I feel like I make faces when I talk all the time. I should start watching you. You should. No, don't. Don't, don't. I'll be too embarrassed. Anyway, so maybe don't check out the YouTube channel. Um, No, do. Do do that. But focus on our guests. Don't focus on us. Not us. Uh, Subscribe, please. Thank you for the ones who have recently subscribed. Uh, We definitely heart you. And thank you for being along on the journey. And last but not least, you can always check us out on faithstrongtoday.com.